Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Climate Change in the Multiverse. I'm Kelly Tatham, and today we have a very special guest. Virginia Rosenberg is an intuitive astrologer and movement arm artist. She uses her gifts to catalyze social change through the liberation and healing of all beings. I've been reading her moon reports for about a year and a half now. Well, a year and a half in linear time, which feels about a thousand lifetimes for my soul. <laughs> it's been a lot of growth in this time. And they have had a deeply profound impact on my life. The way she spins words at once comforts, provokes, and shines light on the paths to new worlds that are bursting forth. In Virginia's TED Talk on astrology as a tool for social change, she explains, astrology is not just a party trick. It's an ages old symbolic language and healing art that was essential to our ancestors. Astrology is a guiding tool that holds the potential to launch humanity into a new paradigm of awareness and interconnectedness. We are all astrologers and to remember this is to reclaim our relationship with nature. Thank you for being here, Virginia. Thank you so much for having me. I love that intro. <laughs> How are you doing today? How is your heart today? <laughs> oh, I'm doing pretty well. My heart is feeling pretty like expansive um and and also there's like a stability underneath it I, we were just talking a little bit before we started recording and I was sharing that with everything that's going on in the world I've been processing a lot of darkness and intensity but in the last few days I really feel like I've been emerging um on the other side of that and kind of starting to glimpse the the medicine or the alchemy that's taking place as I kind of digest and sift through a lot of deep content. Mm. How has this time for you been been deepening? We're in, I don't know, week six at this point, week six or seven of uh, the lockdowns across most of the world. And so many of us have been going through immense change, experiencing time differently, really reflecting on what it is that's integral to our beings and our community. I'm curious what that's been like for you. I know you, you're already living, you've been living in a very integral way for some time. So what has shifted for you in this time? Oh, so many things. Um... I've been experiencing this as a real acceleration personally. So, you know, it's interesting. When I was a little girl, I distinctly remember having a vision of myself living in a very green um, area in like these little huts, like round circular huts in um, kind of a communal way and I remember so clearly that I was I was I was told it was something about like the rainbow community mm -hmm. um, and this is when I was a little girl so I had no context for this but that vision really stuck with me I was probably around 12 or 11 um, when I received that vision and I've been living here in Asheville, North Carolina for 
about 10 and a half years. And when I first arrived here, I was very interested in gathering um, the skills needed for homesteading. And um, so that's how I came here a while ago. But I feel like as I have lived here, I've gotten really caught up in just trying to support myself and anchor my gifts and uh, be of service and I've gotten away from the original intention that I really came here ready to explore and I also did a lot of traveling since I've lived here to try to determine if this is where I wanted to be long term and so one of the things that has come out of this for me is just the stark realization that I do want to be here, um, that this is my home, this is my place, and that's something I've been coming to terms with more and more over the past several years that I'm so grateful to be here now. And it's also returning me to my original intent um, and to that, that vision about this rainbow community, um, whatever that means. So I see something on the other side of all of this that um, the seeds were planted long ago, but this is like a catalyzing moment. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's such a beautiful place to be and recognizing you are where you're meant to be and that being expansive and fulfilling. The thing I personally struggle with is knowing where I'm meant to be. I, I'm often chasing uh, different dreams or different homes or different places. I wonder, is that something you found reinforcement in through your chart, through your astrology, understanding where you were supposed to be? Hmm, that's a good question. I feel like my journey with the, with the inquiry of where am I supposed to be has really not been astrologically based. It can, you know, I do um, readings for people using astro mapping and locational astrology, but I've, I've, not worked with that too much myself because I've just preferred to explore that in my own physiology and similar to you that that kind of restlessness or the questing of where am I meant to be you know I jumped around a lot and was always casting out a line maybe it's here maybe it's here maybe it's here and I still have that I've got some Sagittarius in my nature so there is that that restless inquiry that is always moving me, you know, mm -hmm. but um, whenever I ask that question, I often would just get it very clearly directed back here through vision or through an experience in my body. And I feel very connected to the land here and these mountains and um, the flora here in particular. Mm. Nice. And so for someone who's listening, who may be not well-versed in astrology, what do you use it for most? Is it, is it navigating your emotions? Is it navigating your relationships? Of course, we know that it's everything and, and it affects every way, but I'm curious what speaks to you the most in your personal practice? Okay, yeah. So, um, Astrology can be used for so many things. Um, I think I kind of look back at when I was first arriving into the art of the craft and the language of astrology. And initially, it really helped me to reflect on myself, my gifts, my innate qualities, my challenges, my tendencies, my constitution, 
Um, so looking at my own natal chart and interpreting that, my birth chart was like looking into sort of like a mirror for my soul where I could see, oh, you know, this is how I'm meant to live or who I'm meant to embody. And um, so for example, I have five planets in Gemini and Gemini is the teacher, the messenger, the shapeshifter, the curious one, the eternal student. And I'm all these things. I'm, I, I'm kind of like a, I consider myself to be a, like a cosmic earth librarian <laughs> or a journalist <laughs> and a writer too, which is another Gemini quality. Gemini is the messenger. So um, astrology is, is really a, a self-reflective lens in that way. Um, it can help to uncover different layers of self. It can help to affirm um, qualities that we're meant to embody. I often use the metaphor of like, it's, we don't go outside and see a sparrow and a squirrel and say to the squirrel that it should be more like a sparrow, right? Like we just take the squirrel as a squirrel and, and we honor the sparrow as a sparrow and we expect them to just be who and what they are. And so, you know, as humans living inside a strange matrix of influences, there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of physical and, and psychic interference um, in our self-interpretation or our interpretation of who to be or how to be or where to be or when to be and, and all these things. There's all these influences that are pulling us all the time. And so for me, astrology is like a compass. It's like a homing device back to the essential blueprint of the soul. Um, and what we use is literally maps of the sky, maps of our solar system that delineate where the heavenly bodies were in relationship to us at the moment of our entrance into the earth plane, at the moment of our birth. So there's this signature of interrelationship um, with not just the earth and our place on it, but also this kind of orchestra of all these, the instruments, the heavenly instruments that are the planets, that it's through that relationship that our spiritual dimension or our soul map is created. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit meta <laughs> entering there and we can keep going <laughs> further into that direction. But it's this idea that the interrelationship, the interconnection of all that is around us and our relationship to that is what makes us who and what we are. So astrology is a way to reflect on that and talk about it and um, crystallize it into an archetypal language and understanding. Hmm. That's so beautiful. I, I spent a long time trying to understand it before I found teachers like you and before the, you know, the information, it just keeps bubbling up to the surface every day. I go looking for something that I looked for a year or two ago that I couldn't find and there it is exactly, you know. Um, but I always, as a way to understand it for myself, I, was, I said, I was like, well, I know that we're affected by the moon. We, we, that's all obvious. Like the, the moon's gravitational pull affects us very clearly here on earth. Why not the other planets? Why, why aren't we talking about the movement of the sky? You know, we understand when mother nature on earth speaks to us with, with forest fires or with hurricanes, we understand that that's a, a communication and yet we don't, it's not, publicly acknowledge that we have a relationship with the planets. 
and and it's because we're in this matrix of this all of these the socialization that's clouded our judgment that veils who we truly are that we've forgotten that we're we are nature we're not separate from it and i and i love how you say that it's a guide back to ourselves it's a pathway to understanding who we truly are and and the things that we came here to work with mm -hmm. yeah and to be able to talk about it <laughs> which is so cool because astrology is a language yeah, that's what it is. And and you asked about uh, relationships and emotions, and these are all ways that astrology can be used. I came to astrology through a teacher, but when a significant relationship ended in my life is when I really anchored into astrology because I used the study of this language um, to heal myself. And the way that I healed myself was in part to gain context you know, when, when I was feeling lost at sea and like I didn't know who or what to turn to, I just, I turned to this ages old language that is um, descriptive of life, descriptive of consciousness, descriptive of the spiritual and soul journey. And it put me in touch with these archetypes that our ancestors have interacted with and been influenced by and created myth and narrative out of for eons. And so I was really able to um, heal myself through engaging with that context. Um, and then with relationships, I get a lot of feedback from my clients that astrology really helps um, people to affirm and understand different natures, you know, to understand why there are um, varying reactions um, or constitutions or to understand more about those reactions and more about those constitutions, which then allows people to sort of let go and, and release control or release um, the theory of separation or domination over other people. So yeah, and just to respond to what you said about how, why not believe that the planets have influence us, on us when things like forest fires are seen as a communication from Earth, I feel like there are a lot of people on this Earth that still don't see that as a communication, you know, they, they don't see um, any symptomology in a forest fire or in a tidal wave. Um, they do you ever find that that when you're activated that the, the the tech glitches i see that more with some clients of mine than myself typically mm. yeah yeah I, I wonder about that there's certain people i speak to and they're always glitchy and i it's when their energy gets heightened and i i mean my energy gets heightened a lot but I, my tech my tech glitches in different ways, but not specifically through Zoom. And I just want, I'm, I'm so curious about like, cause we don't talk about that. Like, cause like we know that everything is energy, but we never really specifically talk about like how our body energy is interacting with the tech energy and what that means. Totally. I'm super hopeful that part of um, this Saturn and Aquarius transit that we're in right now will really uh, help us learn more about our electrical fields and how our electrical fields interact with other electrical fields. <laughs> oh, totally. Cause I mean, I've had experiences where like I had this, I was typing and um, 
a little apostrophe. It went straight, like the actual metadata, whatever it is, the data, like it actually changed. And I was able to capture a screenshot of it and then it glitched back to the regular apostrophe. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> uh, but before uh, we got cut off, you were talking about how some people don't even see forest fires as as communication mm -hmm. from the earth. And um, that's one of the reasons I've been so drawn to your work and so moved by your by your writing is because you speak about new worlds and you talk about how every you're very clear when you say like their new worlds are coming not world worlds because everyone's in their own way and some people are so numbed by by the by the the situation of the matrix that they can't even see that mother earth is talking to them when the when when we're experiencing devastating forest fires yeah yeah, and forest fires is just an extreme example, right, of communication that is constantly happening all around us uh, from the natural world. Yeah, and I mean, I know for myself, I, I certainly move through um, life like not nearly as attuned to natural world communications that I aspire to be. <laughs> We're all learning. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, you know, my window into that, um, one of my windows into that is sitting with clients um, and students through the context of astrology. And that is certainly one way that I do hear and interact with and engage directly with the natural world, even though I'm often sitting in front of a computer seeing someone at a distance. Yeah, so also not, not, not being committed to like a separation between the natural world is a tree, this laptop isn't natural. <laughs> yeah, that everything has something to offer and that there are, I've been hearing this more lately from different people, you know, that the other beings, the tree, the tree beings and the plant beings wanting to help us and being here to help us and how it's been giving me such hope is not the right word, but just really heartening me and opening me up to everything that's unfolding is recognizing that there are so many other intelligences around yeah my mind is not the solutions will not be found by me spitting around in my mind <laughs> yeah i mean we will not survive or thrive without a myriad of intelligences all around us imagine if this human intelligence was the only one that continued to propagate and dominate <laughs> Actually, don't imagine that. <laughs> let's not imagine that. Let's imagine, let's imagine that all of these other intelligences um, continue to be, you know, biodiverse and um, evolving <laughs> and to have like even more of an influence on us and the planet than they currently do. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, what we focus on expands, so we got to be, <laughs> we got to be precise about what we're conjuring forth. 
and I, I'm so I'm curious. I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of like different timelines and because astrology to me suggests in a way that things can't be different from how they are, that we know what the sky is going to look like in next year, in a hundred years. So there is this set structure to it. And yet my experience has been that there are multiple timelines and there are all these different paths we can take. So I wonder if you can speak to that in terms of your experience and what you, and, and how you navigate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. So in astrology, there's kind of this concept that there's maybe, maybe we can say this, maybe there's two major um, like organizing factors to time. Like one is what you describe, which is, yeah, we know where the planets are going to be in their rotational orbits hundreds of years out. So there is this set structure, there is a system, there is a boundary. So that's kind of one measure of time or one order of time. But then the other measure of time is chaos. <laughs> and chaos is the field of possibility and um, the field of variation. So it's like, yeah, there's this structure, but then there's infinite possibility and infinite variation within that. Um, and I find that like, and there's, there's many different layers to that. So astrology is an archetypal language, right? So we don't just say like Saturn means this one thing. Saturn means, Saturn is the planet of fear. Saturn only means fear in astrology. We don't say that. <laughs> it's like, it's like each planet, we can think of it as a person in a way. So when we engage with a person, okay, maybe that's a, a person who has a primary signature. They're very fearful, but that's not their only layer, right? That's not the only thing that they're generating. That's not the only thing that they're holding. That's not the only thing that they're um, offering. So the planets are the same way. They're multidimensional creatures. They're multidimensional beings. And when we utilize the lens of astrology, we can filter through and pull through all of these meanings, all of these um, elements that are embedded inside the symbology of each planet. Um, and so while we will be able to see, okay, Saturn is going to be over there and the moon is going to be over here and they're going to have a specific type of relationship through the lens of astrology, you know, that can mean infinite things that can have infinite interpretations um, because the moon holds infinite interpretations of its symbology inside itself. Saturn does too. So they're thematic. And then the way that they're relating, there's just a lot of space to, um, to understand and to kind of, to, to, it, it's really not like, it's, it's very, we're not didactic in astrology. You know, we're not black and white. We can be, you can approach anything from a reductionist, essentialistic, mindset, you know, but, um, and for some people that makes them feel safe and it gives them a, a feeling that there, there is control. But another thing that we can do, another option is to just say, okay, I know Saturn's going to be here. I know the moon is going to be here. There's infinite interpretations of this. So why don't I listen? Why don't I tune in? Why don't I get really present and see which interpretation or handful of interpretations is speaking to me through this happening right now. 
And so it's very relational, you know, it's very inviting into not just witnessing and seeing where things are in space at a given point. Um, and, but also not being very essentialistic and reductive of, well, this means this and this means this. So A plus B equals C. Like it's, it's just really inviting us into presence and active listening so that, yeah, it, that is what really ties us back into the fabric of the cosmos and the fabric of reality and the fabric of cosmos and um, consciousness. Mm. consciousness. Yeah. Wow. What do you think the world is going to look like in 10 years? Hmm. I think, as you said, there will be many worlds, just like there are now um, on planet Earth, but that will maybe intensify. Um, I've been thinking a lot about the fifth sacred thing lately. Have you read that book? No. So the fifth sacred thing is kind of a dystopian, utopian novel. Um, and I haven't read it to completion. I've had it in my collection for years, but I've only gotten about halfway through it because I'm, I'm five planets in Gemini, so I never finish anything that I read. <laughs> um, well, that's not true. So I often do, but many times I don't. But in The Fifth Sacred Thing, there are two main kind of societies that are described um, in that book. One is uh, kind of like an advanced technological um, state surveilled, like slave state, basically. And the other are people who have walked away from that version of civilization and society and become totally self-reliant. Um, and utilize renewable energy and um, eco-villages and are very anchored into ritual and ceremony and um, animistic spiritual communion. So that's something that comes to my mind when I think about the next 10 years, for sure. I do feel that there is um, a split that's happening. Um, but I in addition to that, it's not, it's weird because it's like there's the split, the dualistic split, but then there's also like a breakdown of the binary happening at the same time. Another thing that I'm really excited about for the future is I feel like there's going to be a huge acceleration of creativity and um, autonomous pursuits of innovation and invention and we're going to get a lot smarter <laughs> on a multitude of levels. And when I say a multitude of levels, I don't just mean in different areas and topics, but I also think like levels of consciousness, levels of mind and, and levels of being. I think already with what's happening in the world, um, there's a transmutation going on where the ways that we are used to behaving and processing information and thinking about life and thinking about the world are, you know, they're changing radically right now. And this, this space is sort of cracking open maybe some hidden genius or some magical powers that reside within us that have always been there, but it's like, now's their time to emerge. So I think we're going to teach each other a lot. I think we're going to learn a lot from um, all the different 
intergalactic influences that are dancing around us right now. That's so exciting. Yeah. I've, been, I've been feeling that in such a big way, especially over the past two months as I've now, I, I have the space to engage with new teachings and new things have been offered. So many people are offering their services for free or, to, or to, at a discounted rate, or I've been fortunate to have money flowing in where I can put money forward for teachings. And it feels like everything's being supported around me. But at the same time, I've also had my eyes on, of course, the suffering in the world. And I recognize that there's always suffering in the world. And it's times like these that it's heightened because we can see it more clearly. But I've also seen some friends get lost in the suffering um, because they're, and I've spent time in that place too, of, of, of just the deep upset of the pain of the world. And, and grappling with how I navigate that with my privilege and what's my responsibility. And I'm always asking myself, how can I better serve the community while also better serving myself? And I know that for me, it's been recognizing that I, I need to live the joyful life, that I'm allowed to live the joyful life, that, that guilt isn't useful here. And that the more I create that space for myself of, of living my fullest potential, the more I can help other people. And yet I still see many people struggling with conceptualizing that because of all of the suffering. And I'm curious how you navigate that for yourself in terms of how you use your privilege and you speak so much, um, and you use so much of that in your work and in your readings and catalyzing that social change. But I wonder if you ever have any struggles in navigating that. No, I never have any struggles. <laughs> oh, our work is born of our struggles, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can say that again. <laughs> yeah, you know, there, there's so many different angles from which I can approach this question. Um, and it's something that I don't know that I have a lot of linguistic clarity to offer like on that right now. I mean, what I can say about my recent experience just personally is that um, like, a lot of what I do is, is take in content, information and energy um, in the realm of the collective and like process that. That's just part of my nature. That's part of how I serve. So there's a lot of things that I do alone um, that uh, maybe a lot of people wouldn't like recognize as direct service that I'm only just in the last few weeks giving myself really permission to realize that it's relevant work and it's important work and it's necessary work. Um, yeah, as to, to filter through my channel, basically to sort things out, to digest shit, you know, for the culture. Um, so that's something that I've been very embroiled in lately for the last several months. 
And I feel like, I feel like something I always go back to in regards to your question, a couple things come up. One is how do we, how do we embrace existing in suffering and embrace existing in joy and in liberation, like without um, preference, I guess, for any particular experience? Like how do we not lift one up and lower another? How do we not weigh anything against each other? How do we just let it all be? And that brings me to my second point, which is like, there's seasons, there's seasons for each, there's seasons for this ebb and that flow. And there's season to be really in the thick and on the front lines of um, being a healthcare worker or being a protester, an activist, or, you know, really working for food security in this area. There's, there's seasons to run through these um, embodied like confrontations with the matrix. And then there's also seasons for recuperation and for rest and for integration and for maybe focusing more on the inner plane of work and healing trauma and working somatically that need to be done there. Um, so I just, you know, I feel like there has to be a lot of space and for each person's process, each person's lived experience, each person's identity politic, you know, like we're really living in this time of such heightened, um, there's just a lot of heightened judgment and heightened mental activity when it comes to identity politic and uh, like policing behavior, whether that's policing our own behavior, policing other people in the world's behavior. And something that's become really clear to me through this past couple months is like, everyone seems to be having a very unique experience um, and responding in a very unique way according to their particular history, their blueprint, their trauma, their epigenetics, their DNA, you know, the information, the content that they have access to, because let's be honest, we do not have access to the same content anymore. We do not have the same sources, you know, of information anymore. I feel like realizing that could take a lot of pressure off how we are communicating and engaging. <laughs> and figuring out how to relate to other humans in this moment. Um, but yeah, so everyone is in a very unique time and place. And something that I've really had to do within myself is, you know, I've been processing a lot of um, anger and, and like judgment myself towards other people and why are they having that experience and why can't they see it the way that I'm seeing it or whatever it is, you know? And some of that's really necessary for me to discharge. And it's also leading me to this place of like, we need a lot of space right now to be where we are. Mm -hmm. And I almost have this sense of like, and that's not going to be everyone's reality. You know, someone, someone might say, like, we can't afford to give space to so-and-so 
to be where they are because they're endangering the public or whatever it is. And if that is genuinely how someone else feels, then they got to do them, you know, and I got to do me, you got to be you. Like we really, really have to trust the uniqueness of our own somatic experience right now and to make that okay and to like analyze it as well in as much as we have space for and bandwidth for um but yeah that's what i've come to right now is is how do we just give everyone autonomy and space and freedom um to anchor the process that's taking place on the planet right now and to anchor this healing like this is this is a healing whether it is expressing itself through suffering aspect or whether it's expressing itself through the joy some people are just feeling elated you know and they're like keep they're hiding because because they don't want to be called selfish or whatever it is you know but can we just make it all okay I love that. That's so powerful, recognizing that whatever we're going through, it's valid. And that's okay. Yeah, I spend, I've, I've worked to, to separate myself from that, from other people's experiences. And yet I see people suffering on behalf of others. And I just want to like, why, why, why are we doing this? But that's where they're at. And, and as, as you said, you know, our struggles feed the work and I know that all the struggles that I've been through in my life have informed who I am today and have made me so much stronger and more compassionate and gentler. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be this person without those struggles. I'd probably be a very boring person <laughs> if I had not been through those, through those experiences. Um, but at the same time, as specifically with activism, I, I, I've spent a lot of time looking at how it's being performed and, and asking myself if it's useful. So much of activism, the way I perceive it, is, is within the, the old system, the old paradigm, and it reinforces it. And it's very disruptive and intense. And, and, and those are all necessary valid things and yet I feel very intuitively that we need to move beyond that that we need to find we need to redefine what activism looks like for me now activism is engaging with astrology and understanding at a deeper level understanding myself at a deeper level and the people around me because there are people around me that I love dearly that I don't really understand <laughs> Or, and, or I, I struggle in our relationship to see eye to eye because we want different things or we need different things or we just communicate so differently. And, and, and digging into their charts has offered me so much freedom and so much compassion to be gentler with them and to remember that my experience is uniquely my own. And when I'm perhaps excited and sharing I might actually be overwhelming someone <laughs> because they're not having the same experience I am and the way that I'm communicating is in doesn't necessarily work for them. So it's just, it's all learning and growing. 
but I'm so excited for inv the invitations that keep arriving to be gentler, to trust my intuition, to get out of my rational mind and into my body. And I know you teach, part of the work that you teach is embodying astrology and embodying the archetypes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, thanks for bringing that in because you're just reminding me that like in the last couple of weeks, something I really landed on is, yep, these things are still the most important things for the world right now, embodiment and relationship. <laughs> like these are still the most important things to me. <laughs> these are still central, you know, because I feel like when a crisis like this happens, a part of my experience with that is like, what do we do? What am, I, am I on the right path? Do I need to reorient? You know, it's like there's so much that I need to whirlwind through and just, yeah, in the last few days I've been like, oh yeah, yeah, just, you know, the same things. <laughs> Relationship. <laughs> Relationship, freedom, embodiment, like these are core. So, so yeah, um, I'm a huge proponent of somatic work of, uh, of dialoguing with the body, of listening to the body, of allowing the body to lead. And um, I have a course called Embodying Astrology where it's 20 to 30 minute movement rituals for each of the 12 zodiac signs. So you're kind of given a landscape you know, to move with that contain the thematics of the symbols of each particular archetype. And you get to run that through your own soma and see what happens for you. Um, I've experienced my body to be an oracle. Um, I've experienced my body to contain the wisdom and the high, high, broad, broad intelligence of Gaia, of this planet that we're on. And I relate that to the fact that our bodies are physically comprised of the matter of the earth. Um, and matter and mother are from the same root. So yeah, I'm very unapologetically devoted to the mother. Um, and this earth, this home planet that we live on. And um, just, I've found that when I go into my body and the deeper I go into my body, the more expansive my perception and realizations become. And to me, the body really holds a quality of perception and realization that uh, really demonstrates inherent interconnectedness. So if we're asking this question, like how do we stop ruining the planet <laughs> and creating wildfires, or how do we stop fighting each other on Facebook or whatever it is? <laughs> And how do we relate to each other across difference when we don't see eye to eye? You know, it's like, what if we tune into the body? How is our body responding to this person? How, what is our body telling us about what trail, what path we need to take next 
for ourselves, you know, nothing to do with like how to interpret the other person's ideology or belief system, but just the body, like we're, we're animals, we're mammals, we're instinctive. A lot of what this matrix and the social conditioning that comes with it has tried to do is force us away from that instinct and from that knowing because that's where our power lies. So to me, it's like, whew, Uranus is in Taurus right now. And I, I really see like Uranus rules technology, but it also rules freedom, autonomy, and liberation. And so something that I see right now is like the body is a battleground. Our bodies have always been a battleground for the state, particularly most marginalized populations. Um, have always been a battleground for the state, you know, to try to gain control, gain authority over, to harm, to manipulate. Um, but now I'm just reaching a deeper understanding of why that is because the body is the key to liberation. Like our freedom resides within this which is why it is tried to be controlled so much by external authority. So um, yeah, another thing I'll say just to kind of break it down on a very simple level is some of the things I teach are Qigong and Koya. And Koya is a movement medicine practice that is really based in dance, but it comes from the understanding that like we've been dancing around a fire, we've been moving our bodies as medicine for eons. Like this is an ancestral practice. Qigong, same thing. It's an ancestral practice. It's a traditional passed down through time practice of self-awareness, self-healing. Um, and so our body is just the portal to everything. Um, and to connect it back to astrology, you know, there is no birth chart without your body entering into the earth plane. And your chart is a map of the bodies in relationship with your own body on this body of the earth. So to me, it all comes back to the body is the, the locus. It's the, the center point. Um, it is the, what is that called? Like, it's the hub mm. of the wheel. So yeah, engaging and anchoring to the center, um, the center point being the body is, is, it's just everything to me. Yes. Yes. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. That's something I'm stepping into more and more each day. Um, I'm a Gemini rising, so I've got a lot of the the thinking and the the, and I've got a lot of Virgo in my chart too. So I'm very ruled by Mercury, and I've often thought that that the solutions could be found if I could just get to the bottom of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I had this breakthrough recently, where I realized that this path that I was walking down of needing answers and, and getting answers and getting more and more answers and, and also and feeling like oh the answers are out there I finally reached like the end of that path and recognized that it was a dead end <laughs> and then it's like 
yes, the answers are out there in a sense, but like the real answers don't exist in language or knowledge or thinking as we traditionally understand it. And that's what the culture enforces. It's just like the mind is the only mind. It's what you think with it and that's it. And we don't talk about the heart mind or the gut or the, the, whole, the whole knowing of all parts of our body. And the more I'm able to tap into my body, the more aligned I feel, the more things flow. Even for this interview, obviously I've been engaged with your work for a while and so I have that background, but I, I asked myself, should I write down all these questions and, you know, I have all these notes and be prepared and, and I did some of that and I, I can't help myself, but ultimately I, what I'm stepping into is, is the embodied knowledge and the presence of being in the moment and and connected to another being and having an inter an exchange. So I, I I'm just so excited to hear you speak to this, and I'm so excited for my own journey and and the journeys of those around me to continue to step into our bodies and find different types of knowledge. Mm -hmm. I'm curious in terms of we're having this 3D experience and a lot of people have been talking about 5D and I don't f understand what that means yet. <laughs> um, though I, I suspect it has something to do with being embodied <laughs> and <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering if you're interested in speaking to that and also if there's any sort of understanding around how our relationship is changing to the material world, to this plane, if that's something that's shifting as well, or if it's just simply a different perspective. You're back. Oh no, did I? <laughs> oh, yeah, I know you totally froze. Okay, I think it's, yeah. So the last I heard was, um, just a question about 5D, but it, you were like at the beginning of that. I'm wondering if 5D, because I've been thinking so much about the space-time matrix and reading this book called The Case Against Reality that talks about how consciousness is fundamental and everything that we experience in reality is a projection of our consciousness. And uh, Don Hoffman, the, the author of the book, talks about how uh, the space-time matrix is a species-specific interface. And so we experience space-time because our evolution has shaped us to experience it because it was what was most useful to us as a species uh, for survival. Uh, that there's too much information in objective reality, in base reality, that we could only take in certain parts. And what we took in ended up turning into this space-time matrix experience. And so when I think about 5D, I wonder, are we evolving beyond the space-time matrix? Can we even, if, if the human experience is to be in the space-time matrix, does that have anything to do with 5D at all? I have so many questions. Wow, I love that. I'm so glad you shared that. Thank you. Because um, it's funny, you're like, a lot of people have been talking about 5D. I'm like, 
ooh. <laughs> like not people have not been talking about that in my channels, but I've also kind of I don't really take in a lot from social media channels that much anymore. So I don't I don't know. I've been in my own like family bubble for this quarantine and stuff. But that's really interesting, this space time thing. What I've been noticing you were like, a lot of people are talking about 5D. I'm like, no one's talking about it in my field, but I'm experiencing it a lot. <laughs> what I've been noticing is like, I'll give an example. Um, when I did like three consecutive weeks, I teach a, a retreat in Costa Rica with Koya, with a bunch of other amazing teachers, usually annually. We missed it this year because um, it was right at the beginning of lockdown. But a few years ago, we did three consecutive weeks of the retreat. And so this is three weeks of constant dancing and ceremony and embodied cosmic dialogue. Um, and there's something that happens, by the way, that I think connects with 5D when you enter ceremony particularly like physical ritual where maybe you've had the experience where time really changes um and it's kind of like if you're a writer or an artist or something and you get to your palette and then you know eight hours later you're realizing your, your stomach is grumbling and you're like oh wow you know something really happened to me <laughs> or for me in ceremony it's almost the alternate can happen where I check the clock, it's an hour later, and I feel like six hours has passed because the way that my consciousness was engaged with present moment really shifted. So there's this flexibility and this bending of time that definitely is connected to this concept of 5D. But so I had done this deep kind of embodied process for like three weeks, and at the end of it, I was so in my body that I could physically feel a tree, like a branch at the top of a tree with its leaves rustling from what felt like, like a colony. It was opening experience. That's when I really realized like the body is the key to everything because when we go into the body, we can access consciousness that is way beyond the body. And yeah, that, that tree leaf that was a couple of miles away is like, that's very close in contact to the body compared to where we can actually go and what we can connect with through the field of engagement with our body. And I had an experience of that, that confirmed for a couple of days later where I actually went out through the serious, um, star portal, the serious stargate. And I won't get into all that, but 5D to me, for what I've been experiencing this last couple of weeks, is a remembrance of our cosmic intelligence, a remembrance of our alien uh, interface, our alien DNA. Um, and there's been a lot, you know, conspiracy theories flying around and, and stuff like that. And all of that is what it is. And it's a piece of the puzzle. Everybody's got a piece of the puzzle right now. Nobody's got like 
the whole tapestry. That's how it works. That's why we're differentiated. <laughs> it's because ultimately each of us does have the whole tapestry, but yeah, it takes a lot of reflection through differentiation in order to, to get to that place of what some people might call enlightenment. Anyway, you know, earth is a magnet. Um, it is constantly receiving alien fragments and fragments from space. It's got a gravitational pull. What do you think? Like there's space dust here that's accumulated. There's stuff. We are flying space. <laughs> and so I think that time collapsing thing is an interesting component of 5D. But I'm also really aware of like, a perception uh like frequency convergence that seems like it's a part of 5d where um be tuned to sort of and lay in frequency for actually you know in truth we can access a lot more layers of perception of frequencies that are happening simultaneously. Oh, I've lost you there. We're getting way too deep into the, the matrix for the tech to handle right now. What's, I think it's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, what was what was the last piece that you heard because I can go back into? Uh, it was right before you're talking about frequencies. Okay, yeah. So I think there's the time space component, but I also think, and I don't know how this relates to that because I haven't studied like the quantum physics of time, space and frequency or all of that. But I think that there's also this layer of frequency and perception and that, you know, when you're tuned in to a certain frequency, you're able to receive messages or perceive inside that channel, right? Mm -hmm. But is that like another element potentially to 5D, which I think refers to like our ascension as uh, a humanity, as a species, is um, the ability to maybe access more frequencies, more channels than we have been up until this point. And uh, so there's kind of this like interdimensional hopping or like a traveling experience to just being, which I think is really fascinating considering that we can't physically travel right now. <laughs> but we can travel in mind and spirit and uh, potentially through like cross dimensions that are already in existence all the time. Yeah. Yeah, we have to travel on the quantum level right now. <laughs> that is so interesting what you're saying about frequency and specific channels. And like, you know, some people are just living in that world and that's all the messages they're getting and it's being constantly reinforced. Yeah. And then people who are living in different worlds, the same situation over there, and then they can't see eye to eye because their worlds are completely different. And whatever our, you know, our belief system is, our perception is, that is shaping what bits of information we're taking in, and that's the channel. So I guess 5D is being able to hold multiple channels, see multiple realities at the same time. I think so, yeah. Thanks for breaking it down like that, because I do, I really feel that. I, like, I feel like I've been tasked 
in this past couple of months of really uh, like upping my capacity to analyze, perceive, hold com the complexity of multiple streams at once and to become more of like a nexus, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I've been working with for, you know, when I, my obsession with the multiverse, I don't know where it came from, but it's, you know, understanding the multiverse is understanding all these different perspectives and then ingesting them has led to so many existential crises. Yeah. <laughs> Familiar. Because <laughs> all of a sudden you can see a situation from all angles and you recognize that they're all valid or true and therefore none of them are valid or true you know it's just this this like and to me that's like not the the it, that's what non-duality is is like recognizing like seeing the polarities and then and but seeing that there's just two sides of the same coin and that's a, that's been such a struggle for me with with my my desire my need to know because I'm like, well, I know I figured it out and now I see all things and then I can't come to any sort of conclusion because there are too many sides. And then I go in these spirals in my mind <laughs> that, don't, that, that don't end anywhere useful. I mean, sure, I get lots of insights along the way and growth. And so it is all useful, but ultimately like the answers aren't there within the perspectives. <laughs> Yeah, so what do you anchor to when you're in that situation? That's a good question. I remind myself that I'm a divine being and that I came here for this experience and that everything I'm moving through is serving my growth and allowing me to give back to others to share with the community. But I um, also am looking forward to doing more grounding work. And, and that's what I've been doing with being in the body, my work with, with the yoga and the meditation and, and ritual, finding ways to tap into that and come back to that more. Because sometimes I, I, I'm not able to ground and then I lose myself in my emotions. And I have, I'll have an emotional breakdown and where, where I just am living in the old stories because if something will come up, I'll be triggered and I'll try to solve it through storytelling in my head. But because I can see all the different perspectives, it, it's just, it ends in me being upset and devastated because I don't know what to do. And then, I'm, I, and then that script starts repeating. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And so, yeah, th that, that's what I've been going through. And I just keep reminding myself to, to be in the present moment, to come back, to, to accept that it's okay not to know, that in fact it's good not to know, that, that that's an indication that I'm moving in the right direction, and just to focus on the present moment and, and how can I engage in the present moment with as much integrity as possible and gentleness, more gentleness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, a couple things come for me with that. One is like something I've learned through Qigong is healing 
can't happen through the mind. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my experience with that has been like healing always comes through the space between thought or kind of that no mind. Yeah. And then another thing that comes is um, just when you're at that place of, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. It's like who or what does know who or what might know. I'm curious what comes to you when you consider that. Who or what might know? The first thing that comes to my mind is trees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm really interested in new types of knowledge and new concepts for knowledge and and I haven't had many what people would perceive as esoteric experiences so much of my esoteric yearnings come from maybe not having that and wanting to tap into it although I know that I just have a base of that there all the time so I'm just really curious to to tap into that more and what it means to me and to remove the story that says that, you know, I don't have those experiences and to just remember into that connection that that's always there, that baseline that's always there and, and, and having that communion with, with nature and animals. And I recently had an Akashic record reading and the whole message was be like the rabbit. <laughs> And she didn't know I'm actually looking after rabbits right now. So I, like, she gave me this reading and it was all about rabbits. And I was like, what? And I'm taking care of these two rabbits. And they're like bringing up a lot of stuff. Like, because one of them like doesn't want to come out of the hutch and the other one comes out of the hutch, but then like chews all this stuff. And I'm just like, what am, what am I learning from these rabbits? Like, what are they teaching me? It's like, what is this experience of like learning how to be with an animal that isn't like a traditional pet where a dog will just love you and that's easy you know what is what is this caretaking experience where I'm not receiving what I think I should be receiving from a caretaking experience <laughs> oh there's a lot there yeah that's great. <laughs> oh, it is, it is so nice to talk to you. I, I've enjoyed this so much. I hope we can do this often. And again, I, I, it's just, it's such a pleasure. And um, before we, before we wrap things up, I'm wondering if you have anything you can offer for us moving forward the rest of this year I really appreciate talking with you too. Um, yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. Um, moving forward. 
something that was really apparent for me, I do, I create a calendar for the year ahead um, with astrology and I do like a end of year course always in like December or January. That's about the astrology of the year ahead so that people can prepare and all of that. And um, it was very apparent to me when I was looking at 2020 that this, this is an incredibly significant and difficult year and um it's so interesting because while these massive changes are happening to us on the collective level and the bureaucratic level and the uh yeah, just like this, this global level, you hear this word a lot this year, this global, it's like more important to focus on kind of individuating, like what it is that each individual person wants, needs. Um, so it's sort of that inside out paradox of consciousness right that like you sort of gave voice to before of in order to serve the collective we need to be responsible for self-actualization and um that's something that i just came to in the last few days um looking at some oracle cards it was like a reminder that we need to conserve our energy this year like we need to accept delays we need to not try to force our will upon the world um and to embrace the obstacles and the limitations that are imposed upon us from whatever direction as a container for self-actualization and self-realization. So this, this year is for us to do our work. Um, yeah, and to like, You know, I feel like in reflecting on where we are in the world, we've really come to a height of expansionist, you know, globalization and interconnectedness through technology and globalization. And my friend Tammy Brunk, who's also an astrologer, she used this term that, that it's like a soul retrieval, what we're experiencing. You know, it's like a return. It's like a coming back, like coming down into our neighborhood, coming back. So coming down into our neighborhood, coming down into this place where we've been put, maybe it's not the perfect place, you know, but it's where we are. It's where we're asked to be. Um, and seeing who's here seeing what's here and seeing what 
local actions can be taken and how we fit into this smaller piece of the puzzle and how we affect this smaller piece of the puzzle as well. You know, we're, we're, we're relocalizing after this expansionist globalized experiment, you know, this like broken supply chain that's happening now and everything. It's like, okay, what do we have where we are and how can I resource here and share here? How can I learn how to be in community with people that maybe I have very little to nothing in common with ideologically? Um, but what we have in common is that we're humans and that we're here at this time in this place and that that is a miracle. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you. That's, that's incredibly powerful. Community, despite disagreements, coming together and working together for each other for the common good. Yes, we are ready. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, your offerings for full moon and new room reports can be found on your website and on Instagram, Virginia Rosenberg. I highly recommend everyone engage with them. There's so much beautiful medicine there. And you also offer the, the movement teachings we talk about, we spoke about and meditations and all sorts of other incredible, incredible teachings. So I urge, I urge you to the listeners to go out and engage because there's so much more uh, depth and power to be, to be garnered through the wonderful Virginia. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Kelly. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you and this journey that you're on. Oh, thank you.